This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning. Oh, you can do better than that. Good morning. Wow. What a... Golly, if we just folded up shop and went home right now, it's pretty good, don't you think? What a wonderful morning to be with God. And uh, I just want to welcome you. My name is Ron. And I want to welcome you to New Life. And uh, boy, if you're here for the first time, it's a little bit like moving into a town and their uh, baseball team is already in the playoffs. That's a great time to move to a city, don't you think? You just kind of jump right on the bandwagon and act like you've been there all along. Go, yeah, this is really great. Well, uh, we are, as Bob said earlier, we're on the tail end of 21 days of worship with God. And uh, for those of you who are new to New Life, a couple of times a year, uh, God has us on this wonderful um, sort of rhythm in the church of a spiritual journey. And uh, usually that spiritual journey involves a series of sermons um, that are given on a common subject, and we write an in-house devotional, and we give them to everyone, and uh, boy, for however many days it is, uh, we're on that journey together, and um, I don't know how many of you have been taking that. I, I know lots of you have, because I know that uh, we made 350 journals, and they all disappeared, and there were uh, requests for more. I know that uh, many of you are hitting the podcast daily and, and listening to the daily devotional, and uh, so it's, it's just a great time uh, to be walking with God. So if this is your first time, we just want to invite you, you know, jump on and act like you've been here all along. That's a, that's a great thing to do, and uh, connect with God. And we're here this morning to meet with God, and in this particular portion of our service, we're here to ask God to speak into our lives through His Word. Because it's, it's only the Word of God and the Spirit of God that can actually change our lives. Church doesn't change anybody's life. But God does. So why church? Because church is God's design for how we can meet with Him. So I just want to invite you this morning to connect with God. And I want to help you along on that journey. And as we do uh, virtually every Sunday morning at New Life, uh, insert it into your program, you'll find a sheet of fill-in-the-blank notes. And then if you'll take the time, I'm going to give you some things, not just to put in the blanks, but I'm going to give you some other things you can write in the margins and so forth. And it will help you allow God to speak into your life this morning. So, um, a couple of things I want to get into before I actually teach you this morning. A couple of announcements. First of all, tonight we have a great service. It begins at 6 o'clock. So what time does it begin? You're sure of that? Yeah? 6 o'clock tonight. And uh, it's going to be nothing but worship through song. Uh, no offering, no, no uh, sermon, and no, none of the other things. Those are all good things. We're just not going to do them tonight. But tonight we're going to gather back here, and uh, I know that God's been laying on the heart of our worship teams um, some really wonderful things. And uh, if, if you came about six months ago to a concert of prayer we had on a, on a I believe it was a Friday evening, um, yeah, you're not going to want to miss this one either. It's just going to be amazing. So 6 o'clock tonight, we do have child care. 
provided for children that are under junior high. If your children are junior high and high school, please bring them. You need to introduce them and expose them to what's going to go on tonight. It'll be very good for them. The second thing is, we have another Sunday evening service coming up, and it's in two weeks. So I want you to write down this date. It's October the 25th. It too will be at 6 p.m., and um, the guy who delivered the message last Sunday, Kevin, uh, who's the newest member of our staff, has made a decision to give the rest of his life to pastoring and to ministry. And so on that Sunday evening, we are going to ordain him to the ministry. And we're going to set him aside for ministry for the rest of his life. Yeah, that's, that is an absolutely wonderful thing. And, and probably very few of you here have ever been to an ordination service. But uh, I promise you, it will touch you. And uh, so uh, you just put, write it down, put it on your calendar, and plan to be here two weeks from tonight. So, spiritual journey, 21 days of worship. You know, one of the things that, um, that I love to do is I love to look for ways to kind of put my finger on the spiritual pulse of the church and find out what's God doing. You know, if you put your finger on the pulse and you don't get much, that's pretty scary, isn't it? Yeah, that's really scary. But if you put your finger on the pulse and the pulse is loud and it's strong and it's consistent, then you know that there's health in that body. And, and I think one of the ways to sort of monitor the spiritual health of the church is, is to sort of track email. Now, we don't have any sophisticated system in this church where you send an email out and somehow the pastor reads that, all right? <laughs> Just don't want to make you too afraid. Um, but the deal is, when people exchange emails, eventually a bunch of those end up, they get forwarded to the pastor. And I wanted to read you an email this morning, and, the, and then on the flip side, I want to read you from a blog that uh, is on one of the sites of one of the church members here. And I just want to give you an insight into what God's doing. Hello, pastoral staff. So I listened to Kevin read today's I Worship devotional podcast in my car on the way to work. Because it was about the names of God, and Yahweh in particular, it made me think of a song by U2 called Yahweh. So I played that song immediately after Kevin's reading, and for some reason, I began crying toward the end of the song as it played. Not sure why I did, but I did. Then I felt this great sense of assuredness and tranquility. Very cool stuff. I just wanted to share that with you. I'm attaching the lyrics to U2's song and an MP3 of it, just in case you haven't heard of it before and were curious. The weird thing is, I really can't explain what exactly I was crying about. Strange and yet cool. Thank you for all your hard work. I'm confident that coming to New Life was the best decision I've made or followed in a long time. Walk on. That's pretty cool, don't you think? That's somebody who's walking with God. Boy, when you get touched 
by the presence of God. It's not always completely logical. Where you go, oh yeah, I know why that happened. But when you get touched with this overwhelming sense of God's presence, it produces in us, boy, it takes the human spirit to the highest place the human spirit can go. Let me read you this blog. Also, during this 21 days of worship, life is so jumbled and messy. You think it marches in a straight line alongside its counterpart time, but it doesn't. It swirls and races. Then all of a sudden, the brakes are on and life comes to an abrupt halt. All of this is fueled by the emotions we feel. But when there's no strong emotions attached, for that brief time, life seems content to just steadily click along in step with time. It's easy for me in these swirling times of life to assume that it's all about me. In some ways, that's how I've operated since the great adventure. Hiding my head when I wanted to and letting the emotions swirl. I still feel like burying my head in so many instances, but you, God, are my stabilizing factor. You are the same calm peace. You don't swirl and you don't overwhelm like emotion, nor do you march on unfeelingly like time. No, you settle over my chaos like a comforting blanket of fog. The chaos caused by the traffic of my heart is still there, but you don't demand that I stop it instantaneously. Instead, you draw me up through that blanket of sound muffling fog to the view that awaits above those puffy clouds, the sunny skies that stretch long and wide before bumping into amazing craggy mountains hundreds of miles away. Your presence reminds me that real life is not lived in the 10 miles of emotional traffic I'm stuck in. It's not in the tasks on my to-do list. Real life is where you can breathe in the big picture of eternity. And just like coming back from a great perspective-finding vacation, I return to the land of traffic, determined to alter my heart back to the simple, long-term, focused life for which I was created. May you all enjoy the view with God from above the fog today. As somebody else who's connected with God. You know, if you go home and you forget everything else that I say this morning, I hope you get those pictures. Regardless of the chaos in your life, as Bob shared with you earlier, there's a God who loves you regardless of who you are, what you've done, where you've been. And He's the God that calls you to Himself this morning. So this morning I want to take us from that. I want to give us some underlying principles, some core Bible teachings, and, and, and some pointers to help us along in this journey with God. So Let's start with our core Bible teaching, and here it is. I'm, I'm going to start it. I want you to finish it because it's becoming a theme verse of this church. Are you ready? 
draw near to God and He will draw near to you. I want you to write down underneath that these two simple uh, statements. The purpose of worship is to draw near to God. That's why we worship. If you came this morning and you thought it was about music or you thought it was about Heather singing or, or Mark singing or Foster playing the drums, or if you thought it was about any of those things, they're all wonderful, but the purpose of worship is not Heather's beautiful voice or Mark's good looks or Foster's playing the drums, right? The purpose of worship is that you and I might draw near to God. Now, why draw near to God? Here's what I want you to see. Drawing near to God is the key to life. That's the second thing I want you to write down. Drawing near to God is the key to life. I have a proposition to make. You know, in your car and in my car, in virtually every car these days, unless you buy a vintage automobile, most of the functions that govern how your car performs are they're all governed by a chip, a computer chip, right? And if you look in car racing magazines, you can buy what's called a high-performance chip. might not let you pass, you know, DEQ, but does make your car go faster. Now, what is it about that high-performance chip? You've got the same fuel injectors. You've got the same pistons. You have the same cylinders. You have the same exhaust system. You have the same everything. All you did was you plugged in a chip, and it enabled you to get more horsepower out of the same car. Here's what I want you to see. If you and I will take the time to draw near to God, it's like getting a high-performance chip in our lives. Same life, same 24 hours, same talents, same personality, same clothes in the closet, same car in the garage, same wife, same husband, same kids, more horsepower. Wow. That's why you want to draw near to God. It, friends, it's not an obligation. It's a wonderful privilege. So the purpose of worship is to draw near to God. And drawing near to God is the key to life. Does that tell you why worship is important? Yeah. It plays right into the key to life. So this morning, I hope you draw near to God as we work through this. Now, let me give you a couple of underlying principles before we get into the concept of personal worship versus together worship. And here's the first underlying principle. If you go to any form of a recovery program or a recovery ministry, they're going to teach you this definition, that insanity is doing the same things in the same way, but expecting different results. Would you read that out loud with me? I want that to sink in. Let, ready? Let's read. Insanity equals doing the same things in the same way, but expecting different results. Now, here's what I mean by that. I have a wood shop at my house and love to build furniture. And one of the things I have in my wood shop is a thing called uh, a compound sliding miter saw, or for those of you in the trades, a chop saw, right? 
And it sits and it's connected to a table. And when I want to cut a board of a certain length, I, I, I measure it out and I put a stop down here. I take the board, I put it in there, I butt it up against the stop and I, and I pull the chop saw down and it cuts it to that length. And if I want to cut three or four or five boards to the same length, I just keep butting the board up against that same stop and cut them and they're all identical in length. Now, let's just suppose I'm building a piece of furniture. I'm building a table, and I want to make a table leg, and the table leg needs to be 46 inches long. And, and I've got everything all ready, and I measure it out, and, and, and I measure incorrectly, and I set it at 45 instead of 46 inches. And I take my board, and I butt it up against that stop, and I pull the saw down, and I cut that thing off, and I go, and, I, and, and it's too short. And I think... Oh, man, I cut that thing too short. I know what I'll do. I'll get another board. I'll cut it again. So I go get another board. I butt it up against the stop. And I think, because I want it to be longer, and I'm really sincere, I'm going to try a lot harder this time, that this time when I cut it, it's going to be 46. What do you think? Is that going to work? No. Because insanity is doing the same thing, the same way, but what? Expecting different results. Now here's how I want to apply this in worship. You see, if you and I do in worship what we've always done in worship, we come to church, we do the same thing at church we've always done, we kind of sit in the same seat we've always sat in, we kind of sing like we've always sung, and if if I'm a clapper, if I clap like I've always clapped, if I'm a non-clapper, I non-clap like I've always non-clapped, okay? (laughs) You know, if I'm a raise my hands, I raise my hands the same way I've always raised. If I'm a non-raiser, I non-raise my hands like I've always non-raised my hands. And then I think, but somehow I'm going to grow in worship. I'm going to get better at this. Do you understand what that means? I might as well go back to the wood shop and keep cutting that 45-inch board and pray and it grows to 46. It's just never going to happen. So you know what that means? It leaves us with two different options. And these are the options I want you to understand and know and to begin to embrace in your life when it comes to worship. And here they are. I can do two things. Number one, I can do different things. If I'm a non-clapper, I can graduate to the category of the clappers. Wow, I'm doing something different. I know, I know I'm wild and crazy at that point. But at least it's different. Yeah. So I can do different things, or I can do the same things, but in a different way. Some of you are people who have moved along in the spiritual journey enough that you have a daily time with God. But the problem with your daily time with God is, if I sat and listened to you 10 years ago, and somehow could get in your home and listen to you today... It's the same thing, only 10 years later. Wow. God wants us not just to do the same things the same way, day after day after day after day, but somehow to do maybe the same thing, but in a different way. I'm going to unfold that for you a little bit later on in the sermon. But that's the first underlying principle. Let's recognize that in order to grow... In worship, we have to learn to be different and to embrace that. The second underlying principle is this, and that is a synergy exists. When I take 
personal worship and combine it with together worship. So all week long, we've been worshiping God day after day after day, been reading and working our way through the devotional. We've been, I hope you sang this week in worship. Maybe some of you danced this week in worship. Yeah, remember Kevin in the boat? Yeah? Yeah? Yeah, that's an awesome thing. Doing something. We, we, we've been working our way through that. Well, you know, Monday through Saturday, when I've been meeting with God, and I've been worshiping with God, and I've been inviting God into my life, when I gather here on Sunday, I don't start from ground zero. Does that make sense? Yeah. And when my personal worship is combined with my together worship, it produces tremendous results in my life. Now, I do know people who do one or the other. I know some people, ah, pastor, I'm closer to God out here fishing than I am in any stained glass window sanctuary. You think I've heard that before? Once. Yeah. I understand that it's very easy to get close to God fishing. I've never found that because I don't like to fish and I don't tend to catch anything and that makes me feel far away from God, right? <laughs> but there are a lot of guys and, and, and gals who just love to fish and, and so forth. You know, I, I, I'm more likely to get closer to God on a golf course than fishing, all right? <laughs> and uh, so whatever that alone place is, hiking in the mountains, it doesn't make any difference. When you're alone and you can be with God and there's something that really draws you into His presence, boy, don't give that up for anything. That's great stuff. That's good stuff. But that doesn't take the place of what's happening here this morning. Because what happens when we are together is very, very special. Jesus said, we're two or three gathered together in my name. I will be there. I don't want to miss that, do you? No, I don't want to miss that. Because Jesus is saying, Ron, I'm going to visit you when you are with my people in a way that I will not visit you when you're by yourself. Well, I want both. That's like, don't ask me if you want apple pie or cherry pie. Right? The answer is yes. (laughs) Always. Yeah. Now, I know people the other way. They just never meet with God except at church. And I'm thinking, wow, if this is the only place you meet with God, look at all the stuff that you're missing that could be yours if you would dare to bring God into your Monday and your Tuesday and your Wednesday and your Thursday. And you know when it gets really great? When you have both. Because together... The sum of them together, the the result of the two together is greater than the sum of either one when they're apart. So this morning, I'm going to talk to you about both. Let's take a look at what God has to say in this word. I want to give you some pointers for enhanced together worship. And, And the first one is just really great. It's one of my favorite points to make this morning. Here it is. I want you to listen to the podcast of last week's message that Kevin gave. Because he spent a lot of time passing on to us wonderful teaching from God's Word about how to get the most out of your time here. So I'm not going to go back and reteach and re-preach that stuff. I want to add only one thing to it. And here's what it is. And it's the second pointer. And that is, 
prepare in advance. And, and he touched on that point. I just want to bring it out again. Okay? Prepare in advance. I, I want to pass on to you something I know that if you will do it, it will pay rich dividends. I know church doesn't begin till 9 o'clock on Sunday morning, but start preparing on Saturday. At least Saturday. And when you pray on Saturday, and particularly as Saturday evening approaches, even if you're sitting down at the family dinner table and you're praying over the food, begin to pray and Lord, prepare our hearts to meet with you tomorrow. Start moving into that wonderful place of connection with God and beginning to prepare your heart. And when you pray that night, uh, Saturday night, before you go to bed, and by the way, go to bed early, and that doesn't mean early in the morning. Okay? Go to bed early on Saturday night because you're reserving yourself for God on Sunday morning. I want you to see this. Here's what God said to Moses. Take a look. The Lord told Moses, Go down and prepare the people for my arrival. Would you underline the phrase, Prepare the people for my arrival? Did you know God's here? Well, wouldn't it be great for us to actually prepare for God to show up? That's the idea. Prepare in advance. So that when you come here, you're ready to meet with God. Prepare the people for my arrival. Consecrate them today and tomorrow and have them wash their clothing. Be sure they, they are ready on the third day. For on that day, the Lord God will come down on Mount Sinai as all the people watch. So there it is. Prepare in advance. Now, the second part of this message I'm going, to, I'm going to spend a little bit longer on. I'm going to give you four pointers for your personal worship of God and how to increase and enhance that. And I can tell you that, that, that that's a struggle for many people. What should my personal worship of God look like? And how do I get it there? And I know that many of us have a daily time that we meet with God and there might be more truth in the skit you're about to see than any of us would actually like to admit. Take a look. Well, good morning, family. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Billy, stop hitting your sister. Jenny, will you sit up and eat your breakfast? Who am I? I'm your father. That's why. What kind of a question is that? Well, things are going to be different. Sweetheart, would you sit down? I want to talk to you and the kids. <clears throat> so, I think we all know that lately I haven't been a very good husband, a very good father, a very good friend, well, very good anything for that matter. But, uh, but that's going to change. As of, uh, as of today, as of this morning, as of right now, I'm going to be a new man. You do that again, pal, it would be the end of life as you know it. <laughs> anyway, I, I just want to be around. I want to be more available for my family. Why are they crying? You stop that crying, I'll give you something to cry about. See, see, this is exactly what I mean. I feel like lately I've been caught up in a whirlwind. No time or energy for anyone, let alone myself. And then when I'm with family and friends, I'm, I'm short-tempered, I'm distracted. You just, you just get the leftovers. Well, let, 
That's got to stop. As of of today, I'm calling it quits to that kind of behavior. I'm making some changes, starting with a weekly quiet time. You know, I I just realized I need to get alone and and be by myself and and have some time of solitude. Yeah. So for the next, say, oh, two to three hours, I'll be in there praying and reading the Holy Scriptures and basically just getting recharged. So by the time I'm done, I'll be ready to spank you if you do that again. (sighs) You know, I just want to be different for for all of us. Well, enough of this. Um, It's time I begin. So, Julie, under no circumstances am I to be disturbed. No interruptions. Kids, no fighting. Whatever it is, it can wait. All right? All right. Well, uh, farewell then. I love you all. And remember, leave me alone. Julie? Julie? Who's on the phone, honey? Well, it's got to be someone. Well, how do you expect me being here praying when I'm wondering who's on the phone? Oh, Dave, huh? Okay. Well, what does he want? All right, all right. For crying out loud, I'm like a stranger in my own home. Phillips screwdriver, honey. The Phillips screwdriver. It's not a big deal. I was just spinning around on the chair and it broke. No, I was not playing. I was spinning. Yes, there's a difference. Look, never mind. Forget the screwdriver. I'll just sit on the floor. It's a more prayerful position anyways. Okay, what is it now? Who's making that awful noise? What well, must he do it right now? I was getting ready to have a perfectly good nap. I mean, prayer. Well, look, how am I supposed to get recharged with all this noise going on? Well, you just talk to him, please. What? It's my problem? I'm doing this for you and the kid. Never mind. Now what? I suppose it's too much to ask to have a little bit of peace and quiet around here, isn't it? Well, who's playing? Chuck and Vince. Since when do those two workaholics have any time for basketball? Although, come to think of it, I don't have to be locked up in a closet to get recharged, do I? No, no, honey, that's okay. I'll, uh, I'll take care of it this time. Hey, guys. If you're going to play basketball out there, the least you could do is, well, invite me to join. Really? Oh, awesome. Hey, I'll be right there. Face his left, goes his right. Hey, Julie, 
Remember, no interruptions. Oh, the best of intentions, right? Well, let's hope that our time together with God is a little bit better than that, all right? So let me give you some pointers for, for, for how to be successful at this time of daily worship. And the first is to worship God daily. And, and that's pretty simple, but that's exactly what I mean. Worship God daily. Here's what I want you to write underneath that after you've filled in the blank. Here it is. Daily behaviors change our lives. If you want your life to change, you can't change your year end or your month end. You have to change your days. And if you change enough days, you change your life. Daily behaviors change our lives. And if we will worship God daily, it puts God at the center of our life every day. And that produces life change. Notice what David said in the Psalms. In Psalm 42, David said, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? Don't you love that passage? Boy, that's what has to happen in our hearts. Now, I want you to circle and underline or whatever the word thirsts, because here's the question I have for you today. How often does a deer get thirsty? I think it's amazing that God did not say, as the camel pants for the water. Because they won't get thirsty like every week. But God chose a deer because He understood that you and I need to get thirsty for God every day. And if we will begin to allow our spirit... By the way, you'll you'll develop a thirst for God. You start meeting with God every day and you start experiencing the peace and the calm of God. Not doing it out of duty. Because if you do it out of duty, you won't connect. And if you don't connect, you won't get thirsty. Okay? But if you meet with God and you begin to experience His peace and His joy and His calm and His assurance in your life and His steady strength and His love and His forgiveness and all the things we've been talking about this morning, can I tell you that your human spirit will long for that pretty soon. And you wonder, how did I get by without that earlier? Yeah. So there's the first one. Do it. Worship God daily. Here's number two. Give God the best of the day. God deserves only our very best. That's what I want you to write down underneath that. Give God the best of the day. God deserves only the very best. Some of you are morning people. Some of you are night people. I suspect that Tiger Woods is an evening person. Okay, I'll tell you how I suspect that. I saw him yesterday morning at the President's Cup. And for the first nine holes, he looked like he was still in bed. He actually played like he was still in bed. But when he woke up, he got the engine running. Some of you are evening people. And if you try to meet with God in the morning, he gets only cobwebs. He didn't get much. Some of you need to wait to meet with God until you've had your first cup of coffee. Because God deserves better than what you are before that. Right? 
It's just speaking the plain truth, right? So for some of you, the right priority actually is Starbucks and then God. You never thought you'd hear that at church, did you? Never. Give God the best of the day. For you morning people, I happen to be a morning person. Best time for me to meet with God is the first thing when I get up because I can basically go from the bed to fully awake in about 45 seconds. And I'm ready to go. But if I give God anything after 8 o'clock at night, He's not getting much. Yeah, He's not getting much. So give God the best of your day. Why would I say that? Take a look at what Malachi said to his people. When you give blind animals and sacrifices, isn't that wrong? Isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled or diseased? Try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is. You think Arnold would like that? Don't think so. This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies say. So whatever the best of your day is, don't give God the blind and the crippled part of your day. Give God the very best of your day. I want you to notice how Jesus did it. Here's what Jesus did. Before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to what? To pray. That was the only part of his day that wasn't going to be interrupted. And so he gave it to his heavenly Father. So there's number two. Give God the best of your day. Number three is this. Include a variety And here's what, I want, here's what I want you to write down underneath that. Repetition breeds monotony. I know those are two big words, but I think you can figure it out, okay? You're the only one reading your notes, so you'll know what it is. Repetition breeds monotony. Yeah. You know, God's the author, the, infinite, the author of infinite variety. I went online and I looked up orchids. I have to tell you, if I was creating the world... I'm okay with one or two orchids, right? Love orchids, but you know the whole world could have a half a dozen different varieties of orchids, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm thinking, man, that's really great. I could have given them one. I gave them six. 25,000 plus different varieties of orchids exist in our world. You can write that down. 25,000 plus Now, the God who created over 25,000 different kinds of orchids, He's not real impressed when you get up every morning or when you go to bed. And what He gets is, Now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. You think He might get tired of that every night? And no offense to any of you who say the Lord's Prayer, or because we all do. But if what God gets from you every single day of your life is our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. If that's all he gets from you, that's not going to stir your soul very well. And it certainly is not going to stir God's soul. Include a variety. Now you can do, that's that's doing the same thing, but doing it in a different way. Nine different places in the Bible, we get this admonition. Sing a, what's the next word? New song. 
to the Lord. Sing his praises from the ends of the earth. By the way, if you like the worship songs we're singing today, I want to tell you, you better sing them often and you better sing them now. Because we are going to sing new songs to the Lord for as long as this church exists. And that means you better enjoy these now because you get new ones later. Does that make sense? I don't ever want us to get caught up in, oh my goodness, we can't let go of that. That's a tradition around here. Yeah, let's sing new songs to God. And we do. Let me give you point number four. Do it consistently. And here's what I want you to write under that, okay? And I, I know you, you never thought you'd ever hear this at church. Here it is, ready? Diets don't change people. Got it? Write that much down. Diets don't change people. Dot, dot, dot. Lifestyles do. Let me tell you a true story. The first church that I served as its full-time pastor was in northeast Portland, Oregon, and I have such fond memories of that church. And uh, one of my favorite people in that church was an African-American lady whose name was Morstein. And Morstein was just a wonderful lady, and she, she would always call me Preacher Man. Hey, Preacher Man. And uh, Morstein was... Uh, a lady that in the six years that I was pastoring that church probably lost 200 pounds because she would lose 80 and then gain 60 and then she would, uh, then she would lose 40 and, and, and gain 60 and now she's right back to where she started, right? And she was doing this yo-yo thing. Well, she was in one of her more well-blessed times. And I got really sick. And I showed up at church on Sunday morning, and I was feeling pretty weak, and, and, and I was on the tail end of a terrible bout with the flu, and uh, I had lost a lot of weight that week uh, from just the flu. And I walked into church, and Morstein sees me, and she looks at me, and she goes, ooh, preach it, man, you looking skinny. I said, oh, Morstein, I've been so sick. I lost over 10 pounds this week just from the flu. She goes, come over here and breathe on me. (laughs) True story. (laughs) I've never forgotten that line. Now, I want you to understand something. If I went over and breathed on her, would that have changed her life or just the next week of her life? Yeah. You see, diets don't change people. Lifestyles do. And the problem with many of us is, is we want to go on a spiritual diet. We get involved in 21 days of worship, and it's like a 21-day diet of spiritual things. And when the 21 days ends, we go back to our donuts, and we can't figure out why life doesn't change. Diets don't change people. Lifestyles do. And what God is calling us to is not a diet of worship, but lifestyle of worship. Does that make sense? Yeah. So what does the Bible say? Psalm 145. David says this. He says, I will praise you. It's in your notes. He says, I will praise you every day. I will exalt you, my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. I want you to underline every day. Because that's when it becomes life-changing. 
For the purposes of closing this service, I want you to imagine this morning that there are two large W's up here. And no, they don't stand for W Senior and W Junior, all right? But they stand for something. The first W is this. It's the word waiting. Here's exactly what Jesus said. And if you have a Bible that has the words of Jesus in red, it's one of the very few words in red that's in the book of Revelation. And here's what Jesus says. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. Well, what door is that, Jesus? If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. It's very clear. In fact, when I was growing up as a child, at my grandmother's house, there were, they had a Bible they read from every day. And as a small child, I would leave through that Bible because it had pictures. And I remember there was a picture in, in my grandmother and grandfather's Bible. And it was Jesus standing at a door and he was knocking. But the amazing thing about the door was there was no doorknob on the outside. Only knob was on the inside. And that's the truth. It's taken from that passage. Jesus will never break the lock on the door of your heart. There's not even a knob out there. He said, I stand. I'm waiting. I'm knocking. And if you will open the door and invite me in and do it daily and do it consistently and do it with some variety, then he said, here's the deal. I will come in and I'll eat with you. Then you and I will share life together. I want to pray about that. Father in heaven, Lord Jesus, it's our desire to become great worshipers of you. Would you help us learn to do new things in worship, to sing new songs, to do the same things we've done, but do them in new ways, to do them with an infinite variety that our worship of you might be fresh and heartfelt and dynamic and life-changing every single day. And, and Lord, for those of us who have never made that decision to accept you, to say, hey, I not only want to worship God, I want to become a follower of Christ. I want to give Him my life. I want to learn how to tune into that life that, that has more horsepower. That's life that was the way it was intended to be lived, that we read about earlier that takes us up through the fog and allows us to see above the fog and the noise of everyday living and see the beauty of eternity and get tuned into that. Lord, would you help us make that decision this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Then I want to take you one further chapter in the book of Revelation because the other W, the first one stood for what? Waiting. The second W stands for worthy. Boy, I'll tell you what, there is no one worthy like Jesus. The Bible says the creatures in the heaven, here's what it says, day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And I want you to stand out of reverence to God as the worship team leads us in those exact words. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org.
Thanks for listening.